Amen. Emmanuel was the, uh, the theme of those songs there, which means uh, God with us, if you uh, don't know. We're going to be in, in Genesis chapter 3 tonight. Shouldn't be too hard for you to find that chapter. It's the third chapter of the Bible. If you need a Bible, there is a, a copy of one in the seat in, in front of you there. Genesis chapter 3. This evening we're in the a third a message of a series going through the book of Genesis and called In the Beginning. Genesis chapter 3. And I think we're going to cover every verse of this uh, chapter, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, but we'll just read the first five verses all together to get started and then uh, go to the Lord and pray one more time. Uh, so if you're able, uh, stand with me and we'll read Genesis 3, 1 through 5. And then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Again, the first uh, five verses of Genesis 3, let's read together out loud. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the last chapter, chapter 2, we looked at actually paradise, or how much perfection in paradise, I'll put it, put it that way. And then this evening we're going to look at, at a problems in paradise. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would help us as we look into your word, help us to learn, help us to become more aware of what the word of God has to say. Lord, I pray that you also help us to apply these things to our lives. Lord, help us to be on guard against uh, the temptation of Satan. Lord, help us to be holy and to do what is, is right in your sight. I ask that you would help me to be filled with your Holy Spirit now and that I might uh, say all that should be said. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Problems in paradise. Well, God made man different than he made any of the other creatures. He gave man a soul so that man could know God. Of all the creatures that God made here on earth, only man uh, was a spiritual being. As you recall from the last uh, chapter, or even if you weren't here for that, a message, uh, most of you would know that God planted the garden 
and he planted it to provide man with a purpose. He also provided for man's needs, his, his physical needs for a food and, and such, but also he gave man his wife. And it was good that the man would not be alone. And it was there that God established the first institution here on earth. Uh, not the church, not government, but that of the family, of the home. She was man's helpmeet. She, uh, she also completed him. They were uh, uh, partners in life. So the Lord gave Adam only one prohibition there in the garden. He could, he could eat of all the trees of the garden. He, he, could, he could do basically whatever he wanted to do, except for one thing. The one prohibition was to not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God didn't want man to serve him because he had to serve him, but because he desired to serve him. And the only way to do that was to give man, I'm um, not a free will, was to give man a, a choice. And of course, we all know that man chose to disobey and to sin. And then there, although there are terrible consequences when you sin, the Lord provided an atonement and also offers forgiveness. And we'll see that here as well. The first uh, thing that we're going to see, though, tonight is, is the actual temptation to sin. Temptation. You can't avoid all all temptations, of course. You should avoid as many temptations as, as possible. I'm surely not wise to put yourself in a place where you're going to be tempted if you can avoid it. But because you can't avoid all temptation, you need to be aware of how Satan operates. So let's look at the tactics that were used here in this uh, uh, chapter. Satan is very experienced um, at tempting men to do what is wrong. Uh, the first tactic that we see that he used is that of actually questioning uh, the Word of God. He, he questioned God's Word. That was in the very first verse of Genesis chapter 3, where it says, Now the serpent was more, more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto uh, the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Did, did God really say that? Now the Word of God is clear about what you should do and what you should not do, but the devil will question the word of God. He wants to cast doubt in your mind about what God has said. He wants you to question if God really means what he said. And of course, God always means what he says. Uh, Satan's next a tactic was that of actually denying 
the word of God. Look, look, look again in verses two through four. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. You can't believe what God said, Eve. You won't die if you disobey God. The devil denied the truthfulness of the word of God. However, God's word is always absolutely true. It's absolutely right in everything it has to say. Um, it's foolish to deny what the Almighty God has said. And then we see a third a tactic that Satan used here, a questioning of the goodness of God. Look at verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, and your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Satan dishonestly says that God is withholding something good from you and that he doesn't want you to be all that you could be. Of course, the truth is no one is as good as God. God's motives are pure. His commands are, are also righteous and good for you. He knew what was best for Adam and Eve. And he knows what's best for you and for me as well. He knows that a sin will be of no I'm of no help to you. It's only going to bring you pain, sorrow, um, and also regret. Uh, Satan's tactics included questioning the Word of God, denying the Word of God, and questioning the goodness of God. And then we see um, also types of temptation. Now, the devil knows how to make temptation appealing to man. First, appealing to the body. Appealing to the body. Look at verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for, uh, for food, that fruit, forbidden fruit on that tree would satisfy the body's desire for food. And of course, hunger is a God-given natural desire that we all have. The body needs food to survive. You probably ate today, and I did too. Um, and, if, and if we don't eat and we don't continually uh, uh, maintain that practice of eating, we're going to die. However, just because there is a physical desire doesn't mean that something is, is actually morally a right uh, to overeat, uh, to also indulge in sexual immorality 
may be appealing to the flesh, but it is, is wrong. It's, it's against the will of God. So the, 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 the temptation, first of all, was appealing to the body. Secondly, it was appealing to the eyes. Verse 6 continues, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. We're in Genesis. A chapter 3 this evening. It looked good. It was desirable. And it's easy for a, a person uh, to covet something that they see uh, that looks good. Uh, perhaps it's fancy clothes. You know, you go to the store, you shop online, you see something, wow, that looks really, I'd look really good in that thing uh, right there. And then uh, maybe it's the latest a cell phone. It um, seems to me every six weeks they come out with a new model. And, and of course, they want everyone to get that new a cell phone or a new car or a nice house or whatever else it, it might be. Now, there is a difference between admiring a something than coveting that thing. I mean, I can admire a new Chevy Corvette that's supposed to go zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds. I could admire that, but I don't have to covet it. Though I could do a visitation much faster and more efficiently if I had a car that could get to places Quicker. So just for the Lord's work, you know, just, just to help out in the ministry, I, you know, those things uh, could be valuable. Uh, but the 10th commandment says, thou shalt not covet. So we have to be careful of what is appealing to the eyes. Not only was this temptation appealing to the body and to the eyes, it was also appealing to the mind. Continuing in verse 6, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her, um, her husband with her, and he did eat. Satan promised that they would be as gods, knowing good and evil. Of course, sadly, they did experience evil and learn what it was to sin. However, they didn't need that knowledge of of evil to be happy, uh, that didn't make them happy in the least. It would have been far better for them to have grown in the knowledge of God himself. Uh, so after the temptation to sin, we see number two, the consequences of sin. Actions have consequences. And if you haven't learned that yet, it's time that you learn that. Actions always have consequences and and the bad actions have bad consequences and this driver um that's a kentucky thought it'd be fun uh, to run over this large a uh, snowman i'm um, in a person's a uh, front yard and so they plowed into this snowman but he didn't do anything to the snowman. The snowman was just fine. Uh, 
because it was built up upon a stump. A large tree stump was the, the, the base of this snowman. It was also covered with snow. And so the person only ended up messing up the front of their car. Uh, but the snowman was just fine. Consequences. The first consequence we see here in our text of sin um, is shame. Look at verse 7. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. A shamelessly exposing nakedness as as is done in some places in our society, um, is associated uh, with drunkenness, idolatry, and also demonism in, in the Word of God. I realize in their nakedness now, Adam and Eve sought to cover themselves. When there is no shame for sin, a society is about gone and and just in the course of your lifetime, even if you aren't very old, <laughs> you have seen our society lose its shame over sin. Uh, now it's proclaimed. Now it's uh, uh, shouted. Another consequence of sin, though, um, is fear. Fear, look at verse 8 and beyond. And, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God said unto Adam, and, and, he, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Because they had sinned. Now, there was fear in their hearts. Now, they feared to meet the Lord, whereas before they enjoyed the fellowship of God. <laughs> A fear causes people to try to hide themselves from God. They hope that he doesn't see their sin, but it's impossible to hide yourself from an omnip omniscient uh, God. Even though the Lord asked if, if Adam had eaten of the tree that he had commanded him not to eat, the Lord already knew the answer. You cannot hide anything from God. It's foolish to even think that you can do so. Besides shame and fear, another consequence we see here of sin is that of actually death. Uh, back in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The moment they sinned, Adam and Eve experienced a spiritual 
death, spiritual death immediately. They no longer could fellowship with God like they could before when there was no sin between them and the Father. But they also began to die physically as soon as they sinned. And of course, ultimately, their body would be dead and, and buried in the ground. Well, after the consequences of, of sin in this chapter, we see the excuses for sin. That's number three, the excuses for sin. Uh, from a young age, uh, we are good at excusing our sin uh, by trying to put the blame on somebody else. We have some young kids in here tonight. But even if they're three years old, they can blame somebody else. You know, who, who made this mess? It was her. <laughs> it wasn't me. Um, uh, are we... We see blaming other people, first of all. Verse 12, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Adam didn't accept responsibility for his sin. He blamed his wife. She gave him the fruit. It was her fault that he partook. Of course, he wasn't obligated to eat just because she offered it to him. He was not deceived like a she was, the Bible explains. You don't have to give in to temptation just because you are offered to sin. You can and you should resist temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible gives us many uh, verses about how we can uh, do that very thing. Not only did Adam blame Eve, he blamed God. Note again, verse 12, And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me. God, you gave me that woman. It, it's your fault uh, that I gave in to the temptation because you gave me that woman. She she, she was the one who gave me that, that, that fruit. However, God was gracious and kind to give Adam his wife, um, his help meet. It certainly wasn't God's fault that Adam sinned. And it's, it's the same, same case in our lives. We, we can't blame other people that we chose to do evil. We can't blame God uh, because we have sinned. It's not God's fault. Another excuse, though, um, is to blame Satan. Look at verse 13. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Ever since, uh, the devil made me do it is a common excuse for sin. I, I couldn't help myself. It was the devil. He, he made me uh, do it. Well, the, the, the devil does tempt. He, he tempted Adam and Eve. He tempted Jesus Christ. He, he tempts you and me to sin, but he doesn't make anybody a sin. After the excuses for sin, we see uh, the judgment of 
sin, the judgment of sin. God's love for man does not negate God's hatred of sin. A holy God must judge sin. So first we see the judgment for Satan. He took the form of a serpent. Look at verses 14 and 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the fields, upon Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his his heel. This is called the protevangelium. You know, that's a big word that, that, that we don't use every day, protevangelium, which simply means the first gospel proclamation. Throughout history, there's been conflict between God um, and also Satan. Although Satan bruised Christ's heel on the cross, a Jesus, the seed of the woman, crushed his head when he rose again from the dead. And so after the judgment pronounced against Satan, I would see the judgment for the woman. Verse 16, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy, thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And all of you women who have born children, you understand that. Uh, you understand the anguish and the pain that uh, comes with childbearing. Well, well, that's because of sin. If there were no sin in this world, you wouldn't have had any pain uh, when you gave birth. There is also judgment for the man. Look at verse 17. In, uh, unto Adam, he said, God said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is, is the ground for thy sake. I'm in sorrow, thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also, I'm in thistles, shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the, of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return into the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, and for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. It would now not be so easy for a man to provide a food. In the garden, it was much easier. There was no weeds. There was no thorns. There was no thistles. And the ground wasn't cursed. But now because of sin, the ground was cursed and it would be much more difficult uh, for man. He would have to toil. He'd, he'd have to sweat uh, to earn 
um, his wages or to provide food for his family. Then besides the judgment of sin, we see there is the atonement for sin. Here's the good news. Look at verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living, unto Adam also and to his, his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Well, blood had to be shed to make those clothes of skins. Maybe it was a lamb that the Lord killed so he could use those skins to make clothes for Adam and for Eve. But this innocent animal had to die. And one day the Lamb of God would come to shed his blood here on earth to pay the price for the sins of all mankind. That sacrifice there in, in Genesis chapter 3 and all the other Old Testament sacrifices that God commanded his people to make were just pictures. They were just representations of the perfect Lamb of God who would come, Jesus Christ. Then look at the last few verses of the chapter, beginning in verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and... I'm going to live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east at the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Well, it would have been even worse if man had lived forever in his sinful state. If he had eaten of that uh, a tree of life and lived forever on earth. Uh, that's not God's intention for us to live uh, forever here in our sinful condition. No, we look forward to the day when we can leave these earthly sinful bodies behind and receive a brand new, a glorified uh, body. Thankfully, God provided atonement and also forgiveness of sins. Because of God's perfect character, he must judge sin. But he's also willing to forgive sin through his son, Jesus. To be successful against temptation, you must be aware of the devil's uh, tactics, and also recognize the types of temptation. And we saw some of that already in this uh, chapter. As Adam and Eve discovered, the consequences of sin include uh, things like shame and fear, um, and also death. Instead of accepting their responsibility, they made excuses, blaming each other, blaming God, blaming Satan. Of course, sin must be, um, be also judged. You can't sin and get 
away with it. It's amazing how we think, you know, we can do something, we can do wrong, and we can somehow hide that and no one's going to know. Well, typically, it always comes out. It may not come out right away, but it's going to come out and other people are going to know about it eventually. But even if nobody else knew about it here on earth, you certainly can't hide it from God. God uh, knows exactly if you are doing a right or if you are doing, doing wrong. And after God's holiness demands judgment for sin. So again, you can't sin and just get away with it. But thankfully, Christ did make atonement for our sins on the cross. He will um, also cleanse and forgive you if you humbly go to him and confess your sin. Let's bow our heads and we'll have the invitation at this time. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me ask you this question here. As you look into your heart, uh, can you say, Pastor, pray for me. There is something I need to confess to the Lord this evening. You don't need to confess it to me. Um, I can't forgive your sin. But if there is some sin in your life, if there's, if there's something that you haven't done that you should have done, if there's uh, something that you are doing that you, sh you should not be doing, you need to go to the Lord and confess that as sin and get it right. Who would say, Pastor, uh, uh, pray for me. There is something that I need to confess to the Lord this evening. That you just, for, just put your hand up so I can see it and I'll include you in my prayer as I close. Yes, amen. Amen. Father, I do pray that you'd help us to examine our hearts, to make sure that everything is right between, between us and, and you. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of sin. Anytime that we do what is wrong, help us to have, have the Holy Spirit convicting us that we might get that right as soon as possible. And God, help us to live in holiness. Help us not to have to endure of the consequences of sin and because we choose to do what is right and, and pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray that you would bless us in this invitation, and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.